This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. If you're new today, we are walking through Paul's letter to the church at Rome. And so I'll ask you to open up your Bibles to the eighth chapter of Romans, just one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. And listen, I was so pumped when I saw that this text was going to fall on Father's Day because it is perfect for this day. This text is all about how we as believers have been adopted by the Father, the only Father that loves us with a perfect love. So Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 17 this morning. If you'll find that in your copy of God's Word or your tablet or whatever you use for your Bible here, uh, keep it open, keep it on as we just kind of dig into this text together this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of God's Word as we look at it together. Adopted by the Father. Romans 8 and beginning with verse 12. The Apostle Paul says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. And you remember we've talked about that when Paul talks about the flesh, okay, he's not talking about the tissue that covers our skeleton here. He's talking about our sin nature. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. May God bless his word. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this incredible eighth chapter of Romans. And we, we thank you for our adoption as believers, as sons and daughters of God. Lord, it was by your grace, your grace alone. And we pray that you would help us this morning to see the incredible privileges that we have as your sons and daughters. Help us just to plumb the depths of your grace in adopting us as sons and daughters and what that means for our walk with you. So Lord, speak to our hearts now by your spirit, through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Kurt Flood was... Um, of a, a baseball player for the St. Louis Cardinals in the 1960s, but 
He came up through the minor leagues in the 1950s, a lot of it in the, the deep south. There was a lot of racism uh, that was happening that he was subjected to at that point. And in Ken Burns' documentary on baseball, Kurt Flood tells about something that happened one day in the minor leagues during a doubleheader. Uh, they had had the first game and then in between games, this minor league team would actually send out the uniforms to be laundered. Um, but in that time of segregation, his uniform was sent to, uh, couldn't be sent to the white cleaners. It was sent to uh, the black cleaners all, all the way across town, which meant that it didn't get back in time for him to be able to start at the beginning of the second game. He had to sit there in humiliation and wait for his, uh, his uniform uh, to come back. And so his teammates were already on the field. The second game had already started by, that, by the point that he was able to get changed and, and to get out there, which meant that when he trotted back on the field, he was all alone, all by himself. And so the, the attention of this racist crowd just was centered in on him. And he just said epithets just rained down on him. And, and he said later on, years later, he said with tears in his eyes, he said, they called me everything but a child of God. This text is about what it means to be a child of God. But in a way, the Bible says that none of us are children of God really by nature. We become children of God. Look at what the Bible says in, in John chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, but to all who did receive him, him being Jesus, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so when we believe in Jesus and receive him as our savior and king, at that point, the father adopts us as sons and daughters. We become children of God through adoption. And that's what Paul is talking about here in Romans 8. Now, to kind of help us understand the background, it's really helpful to understand how adoption happened in the Roman world of the first century. So, Typically when it would happen in the first century was when a, a, a wealthy man was without a male heir. And so what would happen in that culture is that this, this wealthy man would adopt a, a young boy, usually a, a slave boy, to become his son. And when that adoption took place, then, then three things would immediately become true. Number one, any debts and legal obligations that the son may have accrued were instantly paid. Second, the new son was given a new name and instantly became heir to all that the father possessed. Third, the new son had a new responsibility to honor and please his father. 
Now, can you see the parallels there to, to us as believers? Because what's happened for us when we trusted in Jesus and were adopted by the Father, all of our sin debt was instantly paid. We were given a new identity as sons and daughters of God, and we became heirs, heirs of all that our Father possesses. And then we were given new responsibilities to, to honor and to please our, our heavenly Father. Now, <clears throat> by the way, when you think about this, um, you, you notice that uh, in the text that there are times when Paul uses the word son and times when he uses the term children. And it's that way in, in the Greek as well. In verses uh, 14 and 15, the word that he uses there is weoi, which is uh, sons. But then in verses 16 and 17, the Greek word that Paul uses is techna, which is children. So here's what's happening. In the Greco-Roman world of the first century, which was you know, heavily patriarchal, it was just you know, sons that were adopted typically as heirs. But what is Paul doing? Paul is saying that in Christ, it's not just sons. It's sons and daughters that are being adopted by the Father. As he says in Galatians 3, in verses 27 and 28, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The Father adopts us as sons and daughters of God. And the first thing that we see here in our text is that we are children of the Spirit. Children of the Spirit. Let's, let's check out verses 12 through 14. He says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So he says here in verse 12 that as believers, we are debtors. In what sense? Well, he certainly doesn't mean that somehow we can pay God back for what he has done for us. And besides, our debt has already been paid in full. By Christ. So we know he doesn't mean that. No, what, what, he, what he means here is that we have been on the receiving end of so much love from the Father that you know, what is the natural response of our heart? I mean, what would be the natural response of a slave who was adopted as a, as a son? I mean, there would be a natural um, desire to, to, to honor and, and, and please the, the, the Father, and that's the case with, with us. Um, it's not that we could ever gain anything from the, he's already given us everything. It's not that we have to perform, you know, to kind of be accepted by him. We are already totally accepted and loved by the Father on the basis of what Jesus has already done for us. We love him because he first loved us. 
And we desire to honor and please him and obey him because we are already accepted and because we have been on the receiving end of his incredible love. That's what Paul is is talking about here when he talks about the fact that, um, that we are debtors. Conversely, what do we owe the flesh? What do we owe our sin nature? Notice what he says here in verse 12. So then, brothers, we're debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. What has your sin nature ever done for you except try to destroy you and make your life miserable? So we, we don't, we, 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 are, we are not debtors to the flesh. We don't want to, we don't want to give into the flesh. We want to starve the sinful nature. Um, we are, we want to make war on our sin. New Testament scholar Michael Bird says this. Bird says, in the same way that you don't give your credit card details to a suspicious website, don't give into the flesh. In the same way that you don't hand your children over to a babysitter who is drunk, don't give in to the flesh. In the same way that you don't allow a doctor to operate on you if he has a degree from the University of Kellogg's hanging on his wall, don't give in to the flesh. Don't think about, entertain, dream, or imagine what surrender to a dangerous, unwholesome, or sordid thing would be like. Don't let it in and don't give in to the flesh. It's done nothing but try to destroy you. You don't want to give it anything. That we want to give our obedience and our love and our honor to the Father who loves us more than we can possibly comprehend. And yet, even as believers... Our flesh, our sin nature um, is, we, we know the reality of it is there. And it's seeking to pull us, to, to pull us down. So how do, we, how do we deal with that? Well, let's look at verse 13. He says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Um, So here's the deal with us as believers. One day, we're not going to have to deal with sin anymore. Praise God. (laughs) Okay? But but here on this earth, we do. We got to deal with our flesh. How do we do that? Well, first of all, um, we need to understand uh, that you need to understand that when it comes to your, your sinful nature, that you are no longer a slave to it. And we talked about this when we were in chapter 6, right? In verses 13 and 14. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. If you are in Christ, listen to me, you are no longer a slave to sin. You are a son or daughter of God, a child of the King. That's your identity. You've been brought from death to life, you are alive in Christ. You're not a slave to sin anymore. We have to continually preach that truth to ourselves every day. So understand 
when it comes to dealing with your sin nature, you're no longer a slave to it. Second, understand that you cannot deal with it in your own strength. Again, what does he say in verse 13? If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Um, Cry out to the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Because we cannot deal with this in our own strength. You know, just in the past uh, few months in, in Southern Baptist life, there have been like uh, five, five men in the ministry that I really looked up to, three of them personal friends, one of them very, a very close friend, uh, that have their, their, their ministries are lost due to uh, sexual immorality. These, these are men that I, I, could, I could never conceive in a million years could I ever conceive something like that happening. But it did. And listen, when we hear things like that, the reaction that we should have is never, never, how could they do that? No. It should humble us. It should drive us to our knees Because if we don't walk in the spirit of God, if we allow our lives to drift from the safety of the Father's side just a little bit, friends, we can make decisions and do things that in five minutes can destroy the testimony that we have spent a lifetime trying to build. No, cry out for the spirit. Walk in the spirit of God. This is not, do better, try harder. Is not going to cut it. We need supernatural help. We need the, the anointing of the spirit of God on our lives to deal with the flesh. And so we're children of the spirit. Second, Paul says we're children of adoption. Children of adoption. Let's look at verse 15. He says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now just think about how dramatic this would have been for a a slave kid. I mean, one moment he's a piece of property, and the next moment He's an heir of all that this father possesses. One moment he lives in fear that, you know, some capricious uh, master is going to sell him. And the next moment he, he or she is a son or a daughter. I mean, think about this. It's mind-boggling. How much greater is it for us as believers to be adopted by the Father who has it all, Lord of heaven and earth. And before Christ, we were enslaved to sin, enslaved to fear. I mean, fearing what this life was going to bring, fearing what the next life was going to bring. 
And rightly so, because we were on a road where we were headed to an eternity of separation from God. And then Jesus met us on that road. And he rescued us. And when he rescued us, the Father adopted us as sons and daughters. And we are now kids of the King. And we are heirs of all that our Father possesses. And not only that, we can call him our Abba. That's what Paul says here. You've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So the word Abba here is Aramaic. Um, Paul is drawing this directly from Jesus. Jesus spoke Aramaic. And when Jesus prayed, he would address God in this way as his Abba, which Abba is a very tender term that was only used within the context of of the immediate family. The equivalent in our culture would be something like daddy. You know, there are just three people in this world, Caleb, Courtney, and Cassidy, that refer to me as daddy. But they do it freely. And they know they can do it any time. They know that they can come to me 24-7 and that I would do anything that I could to help them. But listen, my love as an earthly father is, is, is so inferior to the perfect love of their heavenly father. And the help that I can give them pales in comparison to the help that their heavenly father can give them. That's what Jesus says things like this in, in, in Matthew 7, 9 through 11. He says, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Come before your Father. He wants to hear from you. He delights to give to you. He is an outrageously generous, loving father. And every atom in this universe is under his sovereign command. That's your dad. Come before him in prayer. Now listen, how did we get in this position How did we get in this incredible position as sons and daughters of God? It was grace. It was all grace. Um, If if you look at verse 15 again, the word that Paul uses here for adoption, literally it kind of means to uh, son eyes or daughter eyes in other words god this is all god god has son eyes you or daughter eyes you it was just his grace aaron judge is um an outfielder for the the new york yankees probably the, the biggest the biggest star in, in baseball right now, uh, the biggest in the sense that his jersey sells the, the most, but also the biggest physically. He's like 6'7 and 275 pounds. But when Aaron was just a tiny, one-day-old baby, a very godly couple named Wayne and Patty Judge adopted him as 
their son. I recently saw an interview with, with, with Aaron where he talked about the fact that, that he, he believes that his adoption was a gift from God. And he said this to the interviewer. He said, how else do you explain being chosen by two of the greatest people in the world? Let me tell you something. Tiny, one-day-old babies don't earn their adoption. No, it's grace. It's grace. God chose you as his child, as a, as a gift of grace. And what kind of privileges come with that? What kind of privileges come with that? First of all, security. Security. Let's look at, look at verse 15 again. He says, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. No, you have no reason to fear. <laughs> no reason to fear life. No reason to fear death. God is your father. Authority. Authority. He says that we've, in verse 15, he says we've received the spirit of, of, of adoption as sons and daughters. Listen, slaves had no authority within the house, but sons and daughters had plenty. And Tim Keller says this about that. He says, the children of God are given authority over sin and the devil. They are to move about in the world knowing that it belongs to their father. There should be a confidence and a poise about them. Third, intimacy. Intimacy. Verse 15 tells us that we get to address the God, the God who controls every atom in this universe. We get to call him our daddy, our Abba. It's intimacy. Fourth, assurance. Assurance. Look at what he says in verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is constantly assuring us that we belong to the Father. Now, if you don't know what that is like, I want you to talk to me or talk to Pastor David or Pastor Michael after this service. We would love to come alongside and share with you how to enter into a relationship with, with God so that the Holy Spirit is assuring you that you belong to him. If you're a believer, you know what that's like. You know what that's like. You know, you know as you're praying, you, you, you know the, the, the spirit is just constantly assuring you. You're a child of the Father. You're his. Holy Spirit does that. Assurance and then hope. Hope, verse 17. He says, if children, then heirs, Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, we're going to say much more about this next week because verse 17 is kind of a transitional statement into what comes next. Um, but, but here's the deal. What enables us to get through the sufferings? of this life 
is that we know what's coming. We know what's coming. We know that we are heirs. And we know that in Christ we have an inheritance beyond compare that is waiting for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this amazing text. We thank you for your grace in adopting us. We thank you for the work of Christ that makes that possible. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that enables us to deal with sin, that assures us that we are your, your children. Help us to walk in the Spirit. And as we just continue to pray, if you're here today and you have any questions about whether or not you have a relationship with the Father through Jesus, friend, don't leave here today without, without talking to someone. Our pastors are here for you. We'll be here for you during this invitation time. We'll be here for you after this service. There are plenty of other people in this church that love you and that would love to share with you about how to enter into a relationship with the Father through Jesus. Call out to him. Turn to him in repentance and faith. Lord, I'm tired of trying to do life my own way apart from you. I'm turning to Jesus. I believe he died for my sins and rose from the dead. And I am turning to Jesus. And I am, I am, I am trusting in his finished work. I'm receiving him as my Savior and King. If you're here today and God's speaking to you about this church family, again, we, we would love to welcome you as others stand. Slip out from where you are. Um, we'd love just to, 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 to help you just as we walk through that membership process uh, together. We want to welcome you today and just celebrate what God is doing in your life. That there's a need in your life for prayer. Our altar is open to you. There are people here at the front that can pray with you. And so, Father, we, we thank you for, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we, we, get to, we get to study it together and just see the riches of what you have done for us in Jesus. And, Lord, I pray for, for every person here today. Lord, you know the need in every life. You know people that need to come to know you as Savior and Lord. You know, you know believers that, that need to, to deal with something in their life that's hindering their fellowship with you or you know people that that need to make this their church home and so father would you speak and move and have your wonderful way in every heart in life and we pray it in jesus name amen let's stand together as we sing i hope you've been blessed by this message christ is the answer for every need now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray.
Amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you to come to one of our services. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I can help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.